Well, St. Andrews, it's good to be back with you, and I'm grateful to Pastor Peter for his invitation to be here today. Pastor Peter and I have a long history. His dad is here today as evidence of that. And I want to congratulate you as a congregation on 75 years. That's a marvelous accomplishment. One of the nice things about what's happened during COVID is that services are broadcast. So I've watched numerous times, and the last two Sundays particularly, knowing I was coming, and so I am thankful to Pastor Pete and Simon for their sermons and for the way it introduces our themes today. First John is such an important book, and our text today reminds us of the essentials of the gospel. Now remember, this book is written by the Apostle John. I have entitled the sermon, Lessons Learned. John was an older man. I'm not as young as I used to be. And uh, it's interesting when we think about John, and particularly when we see today talk conversations about sin, that he and his brother were known as sons of thunder. I don't think they got that because there was thunder in the sky. I think they had personalities that created they were disciples of Jesus, but their nickname was Sons of Thunder. And you all, and I all know, if you have a nickname of Sons of Thunder, uh, you probably aren't always living in the light. We saw that the, this letter is a letter of advice and also warnings for Christians. And the tone we see in our text today, my dear children, the key themes that come through this book as John, as he talks about his firsthand experiences, are themes of life and light and love. We proclaim to you eternal life, and Peter talked about that word Zoe. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, it's important to realize that our faith is a relational faith. It's not a religion. It's not about rules and regulations. It's about relation. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, i.e., if we walk with Jesus. Now, with that background, I want us to turn to our text today. And if you have your Bibles, or it'll be on the screen, I believe, 1 John chapter 2, we're going to look uh, they assigned me 14 verses today, so rather than read all 14 verses, I'm going to read and then we'll t discuss the text and then read and discuss the text. So listen to God's Word. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Jesus Christ. Did you hear that assurance? If we sin, we have an advocate, Jesus Christ. The promise you saw last week in 1 John verses 7 and 9 of chapter 1, we see it again here, we can be forgiven. Now notice, there's one condition, confess. One condition, we can be forgiven if we confess. 
And notice, it isn't ask for forgiveness, it's confess. Now, I grew up with two younger brothers, and we would often, particularly riding in cars, you'd hear these words, say you're sorry. You ever said that to your kids? Say you're sorry. Is that confessing? No. What is confession? It's saying, I'm guilty. I'm wrong. I did it. And notice that if we confess, we're supposed to be specific. He'll forgive every act of sin. And not only our sins, but did you notice the text? The sins of the whole world. Now, confession is tough. We have a mission friend, Bob and Christy Rice. They serve in South Sudan. They're PCUSA missionaries, and Nancy and I have known them before they went to the field. And in their latest Missions Connection letter, they're talking about the world of missions, and particularly in Africa, but I want to put that context for us. Listen to this. While we're good at celebrating the positive and glamorous stories, we often leave the shadow side unspoken. We default to what he calls the epistemology of forgetting. We convince ourselves that the good stories are the whole story. Yet, how can we be made whole if we do not tell the bad stories and allow those stories to inform us and reform us? Leaning into and not neglecting the discomfort of the shadow side, our shared story can lead us into a deeper landscape of who we are and who we become by learning the possibilities toward repentance, healing, reconciliation, personal, and communal. I love that word, the epistemology of forgetting. Do you find that as you come to God, you sometimes have an epistemology of forgetting? As you look back over a day or a past week, it's a little hard to get specific about sin. I wasn't that bad. So-and-so was worse. The importance of this text is the reminder that Jesus Christ is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the whole world. God's forgiveness through the blood of Jesus Christ wipes out our sin. Now, one of my favorite services before I retired was doing Good Friday. Uh, I, this is something I started at Malibu, where I had read about this and had the idea, and so we had a cross, and on Good Friday, I had people write on a piece of flash paper. I had them write down a word that would symbolize a sin that they had done in the past and really wanted to be forgiven and restored and set free. I mean, we sat this morning, there's freedom. But we all know that it's one thing to say, I did it. It's another thing to feel forgiven and set free. And so people would write their sins and then you would come forward. Now, the first time I made the mistake, I had them lay their sins at the cross and then I nailed them and I put them in bunches. And, and when I lit it, I about lit myself on fire. Uh, so I got smart, and uh, so we would nail the sins to the cross, and then I would read this text. And as I read this text, I would take a fire and light those, and whoosh, And I mean, literally, you talk about flash, but it was a flash. And everyone knew where their sin was, because they remember where they nailed it, and all you could see was the nail. And it was a reminder 
of God's forgiveness. It was especially for a young man who came one time when I was at Beverly Hills. He had been convicted of white-collar crime. He had cheated tax things, and he had cheated the Social Security and IRS, and so he had been in prison. He had been released. He's on parole, and he has a bracelet around his ankle. And he came to that service. And once again, he confessed his sin. And he came up to me with tears in his eyes afterwards and said, now I finally understand forgiveness. If we confess, he is faithful and just and will forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We have an advocate with a father. We can be set free. Friends, that is the good news of the gospel. And John wants us to hear it and remember it and know it because it leads us into our next section, verses 3 through 6. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. The man who says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar. Barry last week reminded us not Barry, Simon. Simon reminded us last week that uh, Christians sometimes are liars. And John again comes back, just in case we forgot what he said in chapter 1, he comes here again to say, if we does not do what he commands as a liar and the truth is not in him, but if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. And this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. Obedience to God's commands in Scripture. How do you want to know proof that you have truly confessed and are forgiven? John says here very simply, you have turned and are walking in a different direction. You see, part of what forgiveness is about is when you and I are walking in this direction, and confess, we don't keep going in this direction, right? Part of what confessing and forgiveness is about, I confess and I turn around and I go the other way. And John says, if you want to know, if you want proof, take a look at your life. Are you walking in the light or are you walking in the darkness? Now remember, when John talks about light here, the problem we have in our modern world, we think about spotlights. What was light in that world? It was a little oil lamp. And at night, how much light did it give off? It gave off this much. And when you walked in the light, if God's light is with you, the light goes with you and you're always walking in the light. But if you leave the light and go away, you're in the darkness. And John says, if you want proof that we're walking in the light, walk and live, what? As Jesus did. As Jesus did. And in verse 3, we're introduced to that third key word. We've talked about life and light. Here we're talking about love. And we'll see more in the coming verses what John means by love. But our text here gives us the three evidences that we have about eternal life. One is belief. If we believe about God, what we believe about God and Jesus Christ is true, it gives us life. Relationships. If we love 
as Jesus and God has loved us, we walk in his love. And lifestyle, if we realize and admit we're not perfect, if we confess our sins and walk in love in his light, then we are his disciples. Now, notice that John wants to go on and tell us more about this in verses 7 through 11. Dear friends, I am not writing to you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard, yet I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and you because darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Whoever loves his brother lives in the light, and there is nothing in him to make him stumble. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. He does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded him. I am not writing you a new commandment, but an old one. What was the old command? You'll find it in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. The Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. It struck me as I was studying this week that that old commandment is given in the context of the family. Did you hear that? I think on this Father's Day, it's so important to hear that. Impress these on your children. What is a Christian family? It's a place where people learn to love God and love one another. It takes time to do that, quality time. And quality time requires quantity. You can't legislate it. It doesn't just happen. We just spent this week with our seven-year-old grandson. I couldn't say to him, Dax, I want to have quality time with you. Please sit down. I had to be involved with him. I had to be playing games. I had to watch him at golf. I mean, all kinds of things to sit in a hot tub. And there you discover quality time. It takes modeling and mentoring. All those are so important. On this Father's Day today, my wife gave me a card. She gave me a card in 1974. That was 47 years ago. I still have the words. I may never be as clever as my neighbor down the street. I may never be as wealthy as some other men I meet. I may never have the glory some other men have had, but I just have to be successful as my two little boys' dads. My boys at that point were three and six. They turned 50 and 53 this summer. Ooh, where'd it go? There are certain dreams I cherish that I'd like to see come true. There are things that I'd accomplish before my working time is through, but the task my heart is set on is to guide two little lads and make myself successful as these little fellows' dad. I may never come to glory. I may never gather gold. Men may count me as a failure when my business life is told 
But if those who follow after me shall be godly, then I'll be glad because I'll know I've been successful as those little fellows did. It's the one job I dream of, the task I think of most, but if I fail those little fellows, I'll have nothing left to boast. For the wealth and fame I'd gather, all my fortunes would be sad if I fail to be successful as those little fellows dad. And Nancy wrote, thanks, darling, for being all you are to Doug and Jay. By your godly example, you're leading them in Jesus' way. Important reminder, such important words that I've kept them for 47 years. Reminder as I watch my boys go. And it's interesting to me, uh, some of you are, know that I like golf, and, and so, like Pastor Mark, there had to be at least some golf illustration, particularly on the weekend of the U.S. Open. And uh, in Golf Digest, I was reading that Bubba Watson had a uh, news conference on Friday, and he said these words. It's about people asking him about his life and his mental attitude. He said, you know what's important for me is talking to people, taking my, talking about my mental struggles and everyday life. Forget golf, just everyday life. Trying to be the husband I need to be, trying to be the parent I need to be, the friend I need to be to so many people. Priorities, and then the article goes on to talk how Nellie Corda read those words and went, wow. And she ended up shooting a 62 in her tournament because she said, I finally realized it's just golf. It's just golf. What's important are people and relationships. People and relationships. It's interesting, in the Reformed Church, each time we baptize a child, we as a church take this vow. Do you promise to tell this child the good news of the gospel to help them know all that Christ commands and by your fellowship to strengthen their family ties with the household of God? You've all been asked that question over and over, and the answer is we do. Well, I want you to know I'm fulfilling that vow today because years ago, I held your pastor in my arms and I baptized him. Yes, I baptized Peter when he was a baby. I've known him all his life. And I'm fulfilling that vow today because Peter was part of a phone call I was on, and I said to this group of pastors, I know it's been tough through COVID, and I know you're just reopening, but you need to take vacation. And they said to me, but who will preach? And one of the pastors said, well, I asked Dave. <laughs> so I'm preaching here today, next week I'm in another church, end of July I'm in another church, end of all, all four pastors who live in the area took me up. <laughs> but you see, part of that is living out that baptism. Now, why is that important? because Peter needed to get away to spend time with Remy and Glory. He needed to spend time with Katie. He needed to be in his family. He needed to be released from doing that work. And he's modeling for you. Let me ask you, if you're a parent, are you taking a break this summer? Or is it, well, work's too important. I couldn't leave it. Those of us who retired discovered that you can leave it, can't you? It still goes on without you. But you see, it's so important for us to understand as parents we have a responsibility. And so I have some questions for you as a parent. What do you need to keep doing? 
What needs to be strengthened? What needs to be changed? And then for us as part of a church of Jesus Christ, how can we support and affirm families? How can we affirm parents? How can you support your children? How can you support your grandchildren? Where do you need to say yes? Did you notice that there's a VBS coming? You know who's going to be there? Kids. And I have a feeling that every church, when it comes to those times, needs what? Volunteers. But not just volunteers. People who understand that they have made a commitment to God that these kids need to know about Jesus, and the way they're going to discover Jesus is by seeing people like us. Not perfect people, but forgiven people, people who are walking in the light. And the call for all of us is to live as Jesus lived. Notice Jesus, John says, I'm giving you the old command. And it's important to realize that command, you shall love the Lord your God with all your soul, strength, and mind, immediately the next verse, impress this upon your children and your children's children. It's the call from the beginning. And then the new command in verse 8, a new command seen in Jesus, love one another as I have loved you. What was the old command? Love others as you love yourself. The new command? No, we have a model. His name is Jesus. Live in obedience and love in his word. Now we come to the final section of this text, and it reads as follows. Verses 12 to 14, I write to you, dear children, because your sins have forgiven on account of his name. I write to you, fathers and mothers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men and women, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, dear children, because you have known the Father. I write to you, fathers and mothers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men and women, because you are strong and the word of God lives in you and you have overcome the evil one. Now notice I took the text and added something, didn't I? This is not just a text to fathers and sons. It is a text to the people of God. And there's a danger in saying, oh, it's Father's Day. You fathers better lift us up. No, this is a text for all of us, for all of us. It's a summary of what it means to live in obedience, what it looks like to know God and experience God's love and fellowship and what? Love one another. The prayer from this text is, may the word of Christ abide in each of us. And as John wrote, may we overcome the evil one. I said to Peter, I'm so grateful for the music he chose today. I said to him, you read the text? He said, yes, I did. Listen to these words that we sang. May our God is stronger than any sin we hold. Our God will never fail. The battle belongs to the Lord. I pray our prayer today would be the prayer we sang. Spirit, come, move over us. Come, rest on our lives. Heal my heart and make it clean. Show me how to live like you have loved me. Lord, be exalted, King of kings. Let's pray. Lord, this is our prayer. And I pray today for every father, 
for every grandfather, for every great-grandfather, for every mother, for every great-grandmother, for every great-grandmother, for every son, for every daughter, for Pastor Peter and Katie, and Remy and Glory. Would you this day help us to accept your gift of life and light and love? Lord, help us to confess and acknowledge our sin. Forgive us for having an epistemology of forgetting. Help us to live in your acceptance and forgiveness. Help us to be obediently as we walk in your love in the light. And Holy Spirit, through your Spirit, may the word of Christ abide in us. And through your Spirit, may we continue to overcome the evil one. And all God's people said, Amen.